Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I'm Justin Michael, your intrepid host, doing my best, William Shatner. I have Michael Hansen on the phone, the founder of Growth Genie, coming in hot from across the pond. How are you, Michael? I'm great today. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Justin, and uh, look forward to, to having a chat and hopefully can be helped to uh, some people listening out there. Yeah, we have an amazing audience. So take us right in. Tell me about your relationship with Outbound. I kind of would love to hear your story, how you got into it and how you're approaching it. Because I know you're a thought leader in this area and there's a lot of very interested minds on the line. Yeah, great, great question. So my background, funny enough, is, is marketing. So I had a lot of different marketing roles before I, I joined CloudTask a few years ago, which was an outsourced SDR firm that I worked for. And I know that uh, you know well as well, Justin, but before that, I was mainly marketing roles and, and content roles. I did manage SDR teams in different roles. So I used to do event consulting. So Essentially, we're trying to get people to sponsor events and there was SDRs doing that. So I did work closely with them, but predominantly was making content. So my background was very content focused. And then essentially, I joined this company, CloudTask, a few years ago that does outsource SDR services. Pretty much joined the company at the start with the, the CEO, Amir. And pretty much at the start, it was the two of us just doing sales and marketing. Like He was predominantly doing sales and I was doing marketing. And then I got into the, the sales side of it. And it was interesting, obviously, bringing in business. We grew the company from like naught to 200 employees in, in three years. But actually, what was very interesting was the operation side, because we had all these accounts. So predominantly working with software and technology, but we would work with like marketing agencies, with contact centers, with logistical companies, with medical device. So I was seeing what worked and, and what didn't work. So I was kind of like double learning about sales in that aspect. So I was very fortunate in the sense that I was learning by selling and growing the business but I was also learning by seeing what was happening on the operational side and in terms of my journey I think I feel very lucky to have had a big like content marketing background because obviously when you're sending out you know LinkedIn sequences or email sequences if you can include very relevant like snappy content in those sequences then it helps a lot so I feel very fortunate for that and I think you know in 2020 or 2021 which we're going into I think the best sales people understand marketing and vice versa, the best marketing people understand sales, which is why you're getting this whole department that people are calling revenue now. And it's pretty much you know, marketing and sales all branched under one. So uh, yeah, I hope that wasn't too long an intro for the audience. But Yeah, so full disclosure, I'm an advisor to CloudTask. Amir Ryder is a close friend and uh, I hired them myself a few years ago at Outbound Works. So what a great business you built there. 
What are some how-to tips? You've been around outbound and content. I want to talk about both. Talk to me about how you approach outbound selling and talk to me about how sellers of all flavors can do content, right? I just saw a post you did about how the LinkedIn algorithm is getting harder and harder. People are using Dwell and they're writing these posts where it's one sentence for 1300 characters and it's painful to read it. And then, ah, I'm getting my hit rates, but it's really a pay for play. So, you know, how do we sell better outbound and how do we become content marketers in an increasingly paid, pay for play B2B world. Double yeah. <laughs> Yes, I have a great tactic actually involving LinkedIn that's not to do with posting. So I think as Justin's getting at, I, I post a lot on LinkedIn. So try to post every day. So it's one of the reasons I started my my own sales consulting business as I was getting a lot of inbound inquiries about you know how to do outbound sales consulting. And one of the hardest things when it comes to outbound is understanding what the pains are. Because versus like an account executive or a salesperson at the bottom of the funnel, you kind of have to assume what the pains are. So you can write all your playbooks and say, these are typically the top five pains that each buyer persona has, but you don't know which one it is. So you've kind of got to write email sequences, assuming what the pains are. So something I've been doing recently that's been working exceptionally well is using LinkedIn polls, but using them from an outbound perspective, right? So you can do a LinkedIn poll. So I've been doing a LinkedIn poll saying, what's your top outbound sales challenge right now? List the four challenges. And then not only you can get the organic engagement, like people reacting with your posts, your followers, but you could copy that and put it in a message and say, Hey, Justin, as a sales leader, I would love your quick feedback on this poll, right? Very easy for them, low touch engagement. All they've got to do is press one button so you can get a lot of responses. And then what that allows you to do is then do a personalized outreach based on that pain. So I'll give you actually a story of someone that's just about to become a customer of Growth Genie. They said in that poll, relevant messaging was a pain for them. So I then sent the, so the woman was a VP of marketing. I knew she ran the SDR team. I sent her a message saying, hey, hey, I noticed you've, uh, you said relevant messaging was a, was a pain for you. Would you be interested in some guides about how to write better LinkedIn and email sequences? She said, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So I sent them via email. She replied saying, thanks a lot for sending this. Her number was in the signature and I then called her. So it was a really good example of one, how to use LinkedIn polls and two, kind of taking them across different channels. So I started with the LinkedIn poll, sent a LinkedIn message, sent her an email, and then called her. And it was just kind of like the perfect blend of using these different channels and also using a poll. I really like the polls, they're fun. You can run them for two weeks. They have a limited amount of questions, which I think is good, like the In-N-Out Burger menu. Do you think sellers should write content? I mean, you're a, a manager, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, a content marketer, you run an agency. Some people are carrying a bag. They've got a very finite set of KPIs. They're an SDR. They have a meeting quota. They have an opportunity quota. They're trying to do smart activities. Is there time for them to build a brand and do the content side? And you know, what's your advice to them? Yeah, not, another good question. I think this is, so Justin and I are actually doing another kind of webinar podcast last week for a company called Epstein. It was all about social selling. And we, we were discussing this and I think there is a balance because I do think, there are actually a lot of people you see on LinkedIn and you're like, wow, they're doing really well and they're getting hundreds of likes and, and comments, but actually they're not turning any of that into engagement. So I think as long as the stuff you're doing on LinkedIn is actually leading to revenue, then it's definitely worth it. 
But the problem is, is if it's not, and again, it takes time, right? So you can't just post one day and expect to get a sale like a week later. It probably takes, you know, six months to start seeing the actual bottom line return on it. But if you're just posting and, you know, you're focusing on vanity metrics and getting loads of likes and comments, then it's, it's not worth it. But again, if you're posting and you're getting revenue from it and whether, you know, you're getting like three likes and one comment, but that guy that comments, you start a conversation with him and it leads to a deal, then by all means, you should continue doing that. And I think one of the things that's quite interesting as well is I've had posts with, you know, like hundreds of thousands of views and they've not led to any deals at all. And then I've had other posts with like a thousand views, 10 comments, but sort of like a chief revenue officer at a big company, I send them a message after we start a conversation and it leads to a deal. So don't just focus on the likes and the comments, focus on, you know, the people that are actually interacting with your content, are they your target audience? And then from that, try to start conversations with them and turn it into revenue. I so agree with that because I went and upgraded my rig, you know, I got the Blue Yeti microphone and I started to put out these videos where I'm just talking directly to sort of an audience that's trying to contact the C-level. And I got some really interesting inbounds, some high-level engagement. And even months later, people going back and looking at that. What do you see as the future of outbound sales? We're in this world, tech stacks, like thousands of vendors. Where do you think the gold is in that? You know, where do we apply artificial intelligence, machine learning? You know, what's smoke and mirrors? and snake oil and where, where should we be focusing our investments on tech stacks? I'm sure you're building a cool stack where you're at. I'm a huge proponent of human and technology. What yeah. are some of your thoughts around how to get that right? You know, should everybody have a sequencer or sales engagement platform? I'm sure you've, you've thought deeply and tested a lot of things. <laughs> I, I think it's about balance, right? And I think, you know, if you go on LinkedIn and, and follow these, a lot of these so-called influencers, a lot of them take one side or the other. So they're like, you have to absolutely personalize everything or, you know, it's, you have to automate everything. It's completely a numbers game. I sit somewhere in the middle. So Growth Genie, our most popular bit of content is this 30 touch cadence um, across lots of different channels. And we use an automated and a personalized approach. So again, to give you an example of how can you automate and personalize that poll that I mentioned, that's not personalized at all. That's just about outbound sales challenges. You could use a LinkedIn automation tool to send that to 2,000 leads that you think are relevant to your business. And then after that, you wait for the responses. Even if you only get 100 responses from 2,000, right, like a 5% hit rate, you can then personalize your messaging based around that and you do a personalized approach. So I think the future of sales is there's, there's going to be more and more push towards personalization because I think it's becoming harder and harder to stand out. It was first on, on email because I think people are receiving, even if you're like a junior position at a company, you're probably getting like 10 prospect emails a day now, let alone like C-level at an enterprise company, they must literally be getting hundreds and hundreds. So it started with email, was very noisy. Now LinkedIn's become the same, I think, especially this year since the pandemic, everyone's trying to sell on, on LinkedIn. So I think you're just gonna have to have better messaging but there's actually tweaks you can use like with automation tools to make your messaging seem personalized. And a big one I always tell people is like triggers, right? So a trigger, for example, with Growth Genie is I know if a company's hiring SDRs, they probably need help like training, onboarding, setting them up for success, writing their sequences. So I can proactively target companies that are hiring SDRs and I can build a list of any of the data tools, Zoom Info, Apollo, whatever you're using, 
and say, you know, hey, Justin, I notice you're, you're hiring SDRs. Here's a piece of content about what you should be looking for in the interview process, right? And then it looks like I personally researched it, but I actually haven't. I've been using tools like Zoom Info and Outreach to, to put that together. So that's an example of how you can seem personalized, but actually be automated. So this is really a controversial piece. How much do you personalize? I've heard people like Aaron Ross say, if you go over 20%, you get into that creepy place. It's impressive that you stalked them, but maybe they don't want you to know what charity you donate to, where you live. Like It's a little like, eh, I didn't really need that. Jeremy Donovan's looked at 6 million emails. He said something, there's sort of a Pareto principle that runs through it. I've also seen people go really deep, hyper-personalizing and win with that. So I yeah. think it's stylistic. My style is it's about business pain. I think everybody, and I like uh, what Josh Braun says about jobs be done. You're sitting there, you're trying to grow your agency. You have challenges and problems. If I can interrupt you and help you solve a challenge or problem, it might be generically widespread, but I'm solving your direct pain. So if I nail the ICP, and the archetype, like the persona of you, you know, person in the UK at an agency doing sales development as a service. If I can yeah. nail a challenge of that and get 20 of you and that pain is solved, even if it's the same message, are we not personalizing? So do you see how there's a dichotomy there? Because I didn't actually maybe look at Michael Hansen's LinkedIn, but I nailed your pain. Is that yeah. enough? Or do we have to be better than that? So the, the example Jeremy Donovan gives is you go into the video, you listen to the webinar to minute 616, and then you synthesize maybe something from the webinar, something from Jeremy's book, something from a tweet, and now you're doing something a computer could be programmed to do, but won't be. I would love you to just kind of go deep on this because it's, there's a fascination right now with you know 6 million sellers and closing on a million SDRs. With People are researching five hours a day. They're burning a lot of time on this. Should they be? Yeah, no. The thing about Aaron Ross is is quite interesting what he said about you can become creepy with personalization. I actually don't agree. Well, to some extent, agree with that. But for me, it's more about time, right? I see a lot of SDRs that I train, they waste like an hour writing one email. Like if you waste an hour writing one email, you're only going to send eight emails a day, right? So if you can automate that and, and personalize a little bit and be more productive, that's the way forward. But again, I've seen very personalized emails that 80% personalized and 20% automated that have worked very well. And I think, again, it's just being relevant, right? So I think we're all humans, right? So we all like to feel appreciated. So if you can start an email related to, like you said, the charity that, that they're running or they've donated to, then that's great. But you're still trying to sell a product or a service at the end of the day. So you also need to get to that, that business pain. So you may be able to start a conversation like, I did one actually the other day because I noticed on a Slack group, someone said that they're becoming a grandpa and they get up at 6 a.m. and are like in bed by 9 p.m. And that's been happening to me recently. So I just started a conversation with him on Slack and we had a call. But on the call, I still had to ask about his business pains, right? And we just had that conversation. So you've still got to get to the point of, of the business pain. And again, like you said, it was interesting what you said because it's like if you automate, but you're getting their pains and it's, it's, it feels personalized. And actually it is personalized because I was saying, you know, you can automate to make it seem personalized, but you can automate it and it is personalized because you've taken the time to use Zoom Info or Seamless or Apollo or whatever tool you're using to find that trigger event. So you've actually done that personalization in a, in a sense yourself. So I don't think there's any correct formula in terms of like 20% personalization, you know, 80% personalization. I think it's more about 
the productivity. It's finding that balance between productivity and personalization, essentially, so that you can still reach enough of your target audience to get enough sales and also have really good relevant messaging. So that's what I think is, is the best way is just to really achieve that balance. That was an amazing point of feedback because the way I look at all these systems is spectrums. Okay, we're going to research so much, we're going to take five hours in one email. Yeah. That's not enough volume, right? We got to hit like 30 a day, 50 a day, and there's got to be some volume. We're in a world where it's possible to at last do quality and quantity, and that blows people's minds. But I think that's the promise of the Jar Jarvis Iron Man suit. Here's a controversial one. Do you think in the next two or three years, some companies will be able to fully replace XDRs? It's been tried. I tried to do it a few years ago, you know, and we had some success in getting the emails to be so convincing at the time, which was fun with demographics and psychographics and firmographics and writing sentences and using some machine learning and some cool tricks. And we, we even admittedly were using a human auto Turk sort of mechanical Turk step. What are your thoughts? Do you think it'll be like a self-driving Uber? Will there, will there be fully automated, hyper-personalized email campaigns that are deployed where startups don't have to hire SDRs? Or is the SDR even more important in that scenario to kind of watch the watchers? Yeah, I feel like the SDR becomes even more important, but I feel like it may become more difficult. To, I think the SDR role is becoming more and more difficult just because there's so much noise out there. And I know there are tools like, I'm, I'm friends with the, the team over at Conversica, and they're essentially almost like a, an SDR robot. And I know they, they get results, but I think there's nothing better than a really good SDR. And something I've seen recently is, is companies paying for, because typically an SDR, right, is seen as like a green graduate role straight out of college, someone you can nurture. But because it's, it's such an important thing, building pipeline, right? So I think more and more companies that, they they're valuing the SDR role more and they're paying more for it. And I think that's a good attitude. If you have the money to pay for good SDRs and do it because it's such an important role and it's such a hard skill and it's almost like sales has flipped on its head because the SDR role is, is seen as something junior. But to me, it's one of the hardest skills. I know some SDRs who just do incredible work. And then I know AEs who are basically getting inbound leads that are contact us forms on a website. They get fed on a plate, they close them. And they're making like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in commission. And I'm like, this person is not a good salesperson. They're almost doing like an administrative job. And then you've got SDRs who are literally getting enterprise accounts, meetings with enterprise accounts, hustling, like using all these channels, personalized video, voice notes, etc. So I think there's always going to be a need for that. And it's, you know, this whole debate about is cold calling dead, etc. Cold calling is never going to be dead because actually it's, it's, better now to make a call because there's so much research you can do right i can go on your linkedin as justin michael and see about all this stuff you, you wrote about automation and xdrs and and a lot of the things we're, we're talking about today and then we can have a conversation about that so and, and the other thing with cold calling as well is that it's um it's become an even more important channel because most SDRs, especially younger ones, they're more and more digital. So they rely more and more on email and LinkedIn. So if you can actually pick up the phone and have a good conversation, as you know, you and I have discussed many times, Justin, it, it's, it's a win-win situation. The only hard thing is getting people's phone numbers and actually getting them to pick up. As soon as they pick up, it's, uh, it's, it's as powerful a, a channel as ever. So my big thing is, Leveraging the technology to unlock the human-to-human -human piece. One brain still is worth more than all human compute. 
people think we're going to, AI is going to take over. I'm like, your brain, one brain out of 8 billion exceeds all the power of all the computers put together still. I mean, there's only a supercomputer that can touch it somewhere. It's like the size of a factory, but we're just not there, especially if you think of what you just explained, like synthesizing all the channels and doing the research. That's very hard. So the question then becomes, how do we get calling contact rates back? And how do we have email conversion rates come back? Because if 70% of what a human is doing is automatable, potentially, we're in the fourth industrial revolution. So I'm a big fan of things like pads, parallel assisted dialing, like a connect and cell or a connect leader in Orem. Do you no. dabble in that area or do you just get such good cell phone data, like a lead IQ or sales Intel or I could list 20 vendors, try to be neutral here. Tell us no. about how you're getting your cell phone data, your email data, and how you're getting more contact rates because you're doing this professionally as an agency and I'm sure you've A-B tested this stuff more than the average bear. Yeah, I think those tools are good. They're, they're relatively new to uh, to the companies we work with and just transparency myself, but I do have a few companies like using Aurum and Connect and Sell too that you mentioned. One of the issues you have, so that the, the approach I tend to take with this is that you, again, it's that personalization, the like, you know, productivity debate. So the good thing about Aurum, as you said, is that connect rates are so low nowadays. So if your connect rate is only 5% and you can call 400 people a day rather than 80 people a day, you can have, you know, four times as many conversations. So that's the good thing about Aurum or Connect and Sell. The bad side is that you can't do what I just said, right? You don't have time. Say you suddenly pick up the phone. I haven't had time to go on your LinkedIn and check the content you, you post and, and what your pains may be. So that's the flip side of it. And I think that's where the research comes into play where you have buckets, right? Again, so that if I'm building a list for Orem, I know that every person on that list is a VP of sales or chief revenue officer that is hiring SDRs or hiring AEs or that they've changed their job in the last three months. So I think that's what you have to do. You have to make your list exceptionally good if you're using something like Orem and Connect and Sell because you don't have time to do the research. So I think those platforms can be very good, but the data becomes even more important in that case. That's really smart. What do you give as far as advice to motivation? Because like you said, it's a repetitive task. You're going after Fortune 1000 accounts. Great way, way to highlight. Can you give us a couple of tips for going after mid-market accounts or Fortune 1000 accounts, whether it's mindset or it's tactical? You're saying it's a really hard job. Take us into why you think it's hard and what the better SDR is doing. Yeah, I think when it comes to enterprise companies or Fortune 500, it's about account-based sales, right? The bigger the company becomes, the more account-based sales is important or account-based marketing, ABM, whatever, whatever the term is you want to use. So you want to leverage the account holders together. So I think sometimes you'll have a call and maybe, for example, I'm trying to sell into the sales department, but I reach a, a regional sales director you know, he's regional sales director for the East Coast, but really I need to speak to the chief revenue officer. And he says, oh, it's best to speak to the chief revenue officer. Instead of just asking for an intro or instead of asking, you know, for him to introduce you on email and that's it. Even if he does that, and that's going to be hard to do that, have a conversation and almost treat and always try and do some research and qualification. So, for example, if you integrate into Salesforce, be like, what CRM are you using? How is your sales team structured? You know, what, what channels does your chief revenue officer like? So I think when you're doing enterprise sales, leverage the other stakeholders. If you've built a really good relationship with a director of sales, like do some 
do some research and qualification with him to find out loads of information about the chief revenue officer. Because I see that all the time that, you know, SDRs make a call, they connect with someone and the person's like, oh, I'm not the right person. They're like, oh, sorry, and, and hang up. And it's like, no, use that. That person still works for the company. It's like the classic example of like a PA, right? The PA is a brilliant person to speak to because she or he knows everything about the CEO. So you want to have a conversation with them. Like you said, be human, right? Have a conversation, ask what their name is, and then, you know, find out information about the company. And then that helps when you actually get through to the CEO. So that, that's probably the biggest tip I'd give in terms of targeting enterprise. That's great feedback. What do you follow to stay cutting edge on these topics, whether it's sales, marketing, revenue operations? I've been encouraging, encouraging sellers to get closer to the sales ops side, to get deeper into their tech stack, to learn more about how these technologies work, to take the university, the trailhead, to get deeper into the stack. Do you think that's wise to kind of push more towards sales ops? even if they're non-technical? So it's like two questions. It's like, how do you bolster your research? And yeah. do you think that sales ops is something that, in general, if you're developing business, you should gain more chops, more skills? Like, go take you know, Sales Loft University. It's like free. It's up there. You could deepen your knowledge of using sequencers. You could, get, you could go get a guide. You know, I've got guides. You could go, you know, Beck Holland has a course, Josh Braun, Jay Barrows, there's all this awesome training. We're in the era yeah. of home-based learning. I'm throwing a lot of ideas at you, but if you have any feedback or advice for folks, because uh, you're very experienced on how they can upskill, should they hit up sales ops channels and slacks? What are the type of trainings they should do? Like, just advise us all because it's, it's hard to navigate. There's almost like too many choices right now. No, I agree. There's so much content out there, so much technology. So it can be stressful even for me as a business owner, knowing what technologies to partner with, what technologies to use. So yeah, in terms of your first question, so I'll give a shout out to Tenbound because I know it's their podcast and actually proactively reached out to, to Justin about, about coming on here. So I think Tenbound is some, some great content. I think, yeah, like you mentioned, use LinkedIn, right? Just, just follow people on LinkedIn. So Josh Braun, I think he's also a great person to to follow and then in terms of the the sales operations stuff i think yeah definitely that that's useful again if you work at a company and you have like a sales operations manager you're very fortunate because i know you know companies that have a thousand employees and they don't have a sales operations manager so if you do have a sales operations manager really leverage that become really close to them they can actually become your best friend because if the crm is is clean and happy then you know say you're an ae or an sdr your VP of sales is going to be very happy because a messy CRM is always a big issue. And then on the other side of that as well, like, like I mentioned at the start, the best salespeople are going to wear a big marketing hat. The best marketers are going to understand sales. So I think if you work in, in sales, like speak to marketing the whole time, try and understand marketing, try and become better at marketing. And the, the same, maybe you're like a VP of marketing that, that runs an SDR team then speak to the sales team and uh, you know, speak to them about the tactics they're using because their brain's going to think a bit differently. And even like customer success as well, like speak to customer success. They know the pains better than anyone because they're on the front line with your customers every day. You're just talking about who you think can be a good customer based on your conversations, but they actually know because they're on the front line speaking to hundreds of customers a day. So I think just general alignment with departments is going to help you. Yeah, we're kind of getting toward the end of this episode, but I want to say sitting down with customer service, I mean, or customer success could be both the delivery model. Like how are the clients actually experiencing value? 
it would be great to take new SDRs or people onboarding into the lens of fulfillment. And not, no. they don't always get a chance to look at that. They just kind of get these flat case studies. But to hear it in their own words, it's pretty fascinating. How do you implement that in your own? What's your own internal training process? Or do you just have, you know, hired guns who already are like pre-ramped? You mean for growth training? Yeah, so we're, we're a very small team. There's just a couple of us. So we don't, we, we use our own training and onboarding that we have for clients, right? So essentially there's a sales training playbook we have that has, you know, ideal customer profile, triggers, as we mentioned, and then all the usual stuff like, you know, buyer challenges, probing questions, qualification criteria, et cetera. And then building cadences. So, you know, LinkedIn messages, emails, talk chat. And then I'm very much into like learning on the job. I don't think, you can spend like, I know some companies have like three months sales training or something ridiculous. I think you very much need to get out there, get your hands dirty. I like to practice what I preach as well. So I know there's sales trainers out there who aren't proactively selling their own business. They like get referrals. So if I'm in the business of outbound sales, I need to be selling. So I dedicate like three hours a week to doing cold calling because we have modules on cold calling. I still believe in cold calling. So if I don't cold call for a year, you know, so much changes in a year. Like, for example, we talk about Orem and Connect and Sell. I'd never used Orem or Connect and Sell or used them with clients a year ago. So I need to be constantly evolving and adapting. And that's the, um, the attitude I have with the companies I work with as well. Is it's that mixture of, you know, do the training, do the research, listen to, to podcasts on sales, follow LinkedIn influencers, but also do the work. Because if you don't do the work, you're never actually going to learn. Wow, that's fantastic. So just to close out this episode... Do you have a quote or a motivational idea that drives you? Like what's guiding you? I think mindset and motivation are a really big deal, right? It's a really repetitive thing we all do. What gets you up in the morning or what's a a quote or North Star philosophy that's, that's driving you? I think just focus on impact rather than the money. I think once you focus on impact rather than the money, you're really gonna succeed because sales is actually about helping people. And if you're selling a product that you don't think helps people, then stop doing it. Like I love my job because I know I can help people be better salespeople. And yes, that can make them more money, but it, it can also make them happier. So think about if I sell this product, it's going to make a big impact on this person and the company that they're working for, it makes an impact on other people. So it's a knock-on effect. So think about the impact you're having and not everyone's a good fit for you, right? So that's why you need to be very careful with the customers that you work with and ensure that you can have a really positive impact on them. So like for me, impact is the big thing when it comes to sales. Awesome. Well, it's flown by. I could talk with you for 200 more hours. Thank you for being on Beyond Sales Development. Where can everybody find out more about Michael Hansen and what you're working on? Yeah, sure. So yeah, LinkedIn, as, as we've discussed today, I'm big on LinkedIn. So if you just type Michael Hansen, Growth Genie, come up and then anyone's welcome to email me as well. So it's uh, mhansen at growthgenie.co, not .com, because a lot of people make that mistake. So yeah, LinkedIn or email, generally the two best channels. Awesome, Michael. Thanks again for being on the show and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. You're welcome.